right, welcome in to a Monday, a rare Monday edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition, pregame.com. I'm AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner, and we're coming to you on a Monday because AJ couldn't record on Sunday. I was a traveling man. I was down in San Antonio, and uh, I was unable to record on Sunday night. So I'll be honest, pretty weak slate of games tonight anyway. I don't. Maybe we would have gone over Kansas, Texas. Maybe. Uh, but I, I don't know that you missed out on a whole lot from tonight. But we'll be back normal schedule on Thursday. Although I don't know that I, we'll probably be doing a Monday episode next week as well because I don't picture us spending our Super Bowl evening recording a college basketball podcast. I, I hate to hate to break that to you out there. Uh, joined as always by Griffin Warner. Griffin, how you doing, my man? You know, I'm I'm doing pretty well. I, I was thought you might even tell the uh, the fans out there, uh, or maybe they're not fans; they might just be listeners. Uh, that you gave us the uh, Sunday off after a two and zero best bet weekend. Boy, oh boy, have we been waiting for this weekend? It's been one and uh, we've had more one and ones than anything, but we haven't had many two and O's uh, at least since early, early in the season. So uh, to get the two and O's and really two easy ones. Uh, yeah. Virginia really took care of business against Miami. It was it, the game was never really in doubt. You said you were waiting for the collapse and it just wasn't coming. Virginia, bad offensive team. It didn't didn't really even matter. And poor BYU, uh, whatever number you you laid, you were good. That was a an absolute beatdown and kind of what. I mean, it's almost exactly what I said on the podcast was the lack of size for BYU is just it's a killer because you you don't have the people you don't you need bodies to throw at guys like Drew Timmy and, and Chet Holmgren and Chet Holmgren, Chet Holmgren, seven of nine from the field, Drew Timmy, six of nine from the field. Uh, you know, Chet Holmgren has 17 rebounds, by the way, and five blocks. Let me tell you something about Chet Holmgren like I'm a, an NBA draft expert. When you look at Chet Holmgren, you think there's no way that guy can play in the NBA. But then when you watch him play, it's like he doesn't, there's nothing he doesn't do well. He is so freaking good. And the the fact that he is a 46% three-point shooter at seven foot tall, uh, and it's not like he's and he 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 look. I mean, he is skinny. I shouldn't say he looks skinny. He he's incredibly slender. Oh yeah, but he doesn't get pushed around in the paint. He's not. I mean, he's a he's a good rebounder. He's not like just an, an okay rebounder. He's an excellent rebounder. I mean, he just does everything well. And I'm normally in the category of um, don't draft bigs high, but when you've got one who's like. You know, he's shooting 60% from three in conference play. Like, that's a, that's a made-up number. That that, does, that doesn't even make sense. He's a 78% free throw shooter in conference play at seven feet tall. Like, this is a guy who, if you can imagine he puts on 20 pounds, you've got a real problem at the NBA level. So, I, that's my um, – I am an expert because I once said I would take John Morant over Zion Williamson, and a lot of people thought I was a moron. And now, uh, like two, three years later, I like I seem like a pretty smart guy, even though I'm really not. Uh, at least not when it comes to who's going to be good in the NBA. But I'm pretty convinced that Chet Holmgren 
has got the goods. Like as as goofy as he looks, I, I think he can he can play. Yeah, he doesn't look very impressive. But if he needs a uh, a gain weight diet plan, I can give him what I was eating during quarantine. If uh, if he needs it. Oh, well, listen, if you, who you think you're talking to here? I, I'm a I'm an expert in these in these matters, my friend. All right, let's get into this week's games. And I'll be honest, not the greatest slate. It's a uh, there's no Duke North Carolinas, which by the way, that one we we kind of nailed too. Uh, North Carolina just not on the same level as that Duke team, and it was it was pretty obvious right from the jump that they were not going to be in that game. So um, hopefully we we we've got some insight into the four big games of the week, if you want to call them that, and uh, and then we'll have best bets at the end here. But let's start with an SEC matchup with a team that we've talked about a lot. They're the number one team in the country, the Auburn Tigers. And it looks like that line is out. And you you said Auburn minus one. I said probably Auburn minus four. And they split the difference. Auburn minus two and a half is the number here uh, at Arkansas. What do you think about this matchup? Huh, well, Arkansas has been turning it up lately. Um, I think that we probably all had high ex- expectations for Arkansas and were pretty disappointed with how they started the season. Um, but things are starting to look up a little bit for them. And when I look at the Auburn schedule, I'm, I'm trying to look at um, possible losses so they don't go undefeated in conference play. And they, they certainly have, I mean, struggled with, with Georgia this weekend, struggled at Mizzou. Um, not everything's been very easy. I think Kentucky was... Um, shouldn't have been a nine point, uh, final result. I think, I think you talked about that before. Um, and when I'm looking at, at Auburn, I mean, they're so good and they're so deep and they're, they're really, really talented. Um, but they haven't been winning in convincing fashion, I got to say. And I, I was even thinking that, um, I had to kind of move myself off of Arkansas as a one point favorite to Auburn being minus one. Um, I think the, the crowd's going to be nuts. Um, Ultimately, though, I think it'll come down to X's and O's, and that's a big question for me because I just feel like Arkansas is really hard to believe in where I think we know what we're going to get from Auburn right now. It's a a high-pressure defense. They're so deep. They have so many players that even if they're off to a slow start or they have some guys that aren't aren't hitting, um, they've got so many guys to come in off the bench and kind of change the momentum or even just get some fresh legs in there. I don't think Arkansas has trouble really in depth either, but, um, you know, I just, I would like to uh, have a little bit more faith in Arkansas as a home dog. I just, I'm not sure that I have it right now. Yeah. The, the thing about Arkansas and like we talked, you, you were talking about how they've played lately and it's been really impressive. If you, I mean, eight straight wins is nothing to sneeze at but then when you kind of dig into who they've been beating it's Missouri South Carolina Texas A&M Ole Miss Georgia all the teams you're supposed to beat in the SEC if you're even a half-ass team you're supposed to beat those teams they beat West Virginia in the SEC Big 12 matchup and West Virginia is not very good their best win in that eight game stretch is LSU and LSU's now lost six of seven. So I don't even know what LSU is. Like LSU's completely fallen apart. So you could argue that, you know, they've, they've had a, a really fortunate schedule so far. And even when they started out 0-3 in conference, it was Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Texas A&M, teams that they really shouldn't have lost to, like if you're good, like not high-level SEC teams. I think now as they get into this run where 
you know, they get Auburn, they get Alabama this weekend. Uh, they're going to get Tennessee twice still. They're going to get Kentucky. It's it's about to get a little tougher for Arkansas. Um, and Auburn, it, they've been playing with fire. They played with fire this last weekend against Georgia on the road uh, in a game that they should have never even really sweated, and they, they won that game by two points. Um, they beat Missouri on the road by one point a, a couple weeks ago. So they're certainly not running away and hiding from teams on the road. Uh, and I, I don't know that I'm super comfortable thinking that they're going to do that in this situation. Obviously, Arkansas, a very good home team. Um, but I think Bruce Pearl, he remembers that this Arkansas team swept him last year. They beat him twice. He knows what what a tough environment this is. I think, if anything, he's going to have his team up more for this game because this is really their biggest game for a good stretch. You know, they play Arkansas here. After this Arkansas game, it's Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Florida, Ole Miss. And then you get to like February 26th, you go to Tennessee. So I, I don't think there's any like real look ahead here. I think this is the most important game on their schedule for the next couple of weeks. I think that they approach it as such. And I think you get a, a really concentrated, focused effort from Auburn. I don't know that I'm I'm going to, you know, lay points uh, on the on the road against Arkansas. Arkansas is a tough home team, but two and a half is a low number. I, I think if I if I had to to choose a side, I think it it would be the Tigers. It's also Arkansas. They can't shoot. I mean, this is a team that relies on getting to the basket, and we've talked about it before. Like nobody is better at, at defending the paint than Auburn. It, it, you're not going to get easy buckets against this Auburn team. So, it, gun to head, I, I think I lean to the Tigers here. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame you. And and hearing and, and looking at the schedule right now in front of me, um, uh, SEC schedule, I don't know who Muss has like compromising pictures of, but like that's an incredible start. And maybe COVID canceled some games, and so that made it look a little bit better than it maybe initially was supposed to. Yeah, but that they've played the dregs of the SEC, and, and um, they were not playing well before this winning streak. So that might be one of those things where uh, they look a lot – uh, prettier uh, from afar, but once you get closer, they're not they're not as beautiful. Yeah, I, I think we'll know a lot more about what Arkansas is, you know, uh, it, it, by the end of this month. I, I think what we've seen. So, and listen, man, you you go, you win eight in a row in the SEC. Well, I guess they they had the West Virginia game thrown in there, but you win seven SEC games in a row. That's quality, no matter what. But again, your your best win over that time is against an LSU team that the wheels may have completely fallen off of. They've they've seen nothing like this Auburn team because even in the non-con, the, the team the the toughest teams they played non-con were like Kansas State or Oklahoma. Like they they didn't really push themselves very much in the non-conference, and this is going to be a, a level of talent that they just haven't seen a whole lot of to this point. And that's obviously it's not the case for Auburn. Auburn's super battle tested now. You know they they've you know, had Kentucky uh, and, and they've played Alabama twice. They've seen UConn. And uh, it, I don't think that they're going to be overwhelmed by this. Whereas Arkansas, I think, is, is really kind of taking a step up in competition here. All right. Yeah, that, that's never good when you're doing that in February, I got to say. Right. All right. Let's go to the Big Ten. And the, the number is out. So we've got Purdue six-point favorites at Mackey and the first game in Champaign, Illinois only got 22 minutes out of Kofi in a double overtime game. That's not good. Uh, he was in foul trouble all night. 
He was uh, Edie and, and Travion Williams kind of had their way in that game on offense because Coburn was sitting for a lot of it. I think he plays a bigger role here, but Mackey's just one of the toughest trips on the schedule for these Big Ten teams. I look back; they've lost once this year at home. I look back; they've lost one, or they've lost twice since the beginning of last season. And the problem with Purdue right now is, though, they're they're just they're they're bad enough on defense, and it's kind of weird to say that a Purdue team is just bad on defense, but they kind of are bad on defense that they're not really getting much margin unless they're playing, you know, the really dreadful teams in the conference, Minnesota, Northwestern, Nebraska, that they can beat up on those teams. But when you're playing the, you know, the, the meat of the big 10, they're not getting margin because they let teams hang around because they're, they're not getting stops. I think Illinois is good enough on defense. They are the, the best defensive efficiency and best two point percentage allowed in the big 10. I think they can slow them down. And particularly at this number, at six, where late free throws can come into play, I, I mean, Purdue's the worst free throw shooting team in the conference, so I don't trust them to get any shots made at the at the line late. I'm not sure if the Illini can go into Mackey and get a win, but I do think they can give them some hell here. What do you see? Uh, six is a pretty big number, um, but honestly, I, I don't think it's anywhere near where I'd want to be to back Illinois. I did back Illinois in the first meeting. Um, it's like a, I think a early tip on Martin Luther King day. And, um, I was pretty disappointed in the foul calls that were going on Kofi and on Illinois inside, but that's, uh, I think whenever you're playing this Purdue team that has two twin towers that rotate, so foul trouble isn't as big of an issue for them. Like certainly it would be if it got really bad, but ultimately they have two big guys to throw at Kofi. Who's really kind of the, the one man band. He, they definitely got some good minutes from kind of backups like Philip Payne and even the like third string five man for Illinois. Um, a Belgian that I can't, I don't exactly remember his name Verdonk, I think is his name, but um I'm not sure that they're in a good position to, to get that type of effort again now that there's a scouting report. And I think that Purdue is just going to pound them inside. And when that uh, doesn't work every time, they're going to pass it out to Sasha Stefanovic, who doesn't seem to ever miss when I watch him at Mackey. Um, the number's huge, but uh, especially considering how good Illinois is and how they could probably go in there and win. Um, I just think that everything gets out of hand at that, at that stadium, at that gym. Uh, Mackey's a really scary place to take an underdog that you don't think is going to win the game straight up. So if you're betting it, I mean, I'm always an advocate of taking the points, um, as opposed to a money line, just because there's plenty of games, especially at this number, plenty of final results that might fall within that, that point spread. But I got to say, I'm not really even sniffing at it, which is weird to say for me, for a good team getting six points. I will say Illinois, like one thing that they got in that Purdue game that they haven't gotten at any other point this season, maybe save. I don't even know. I don't think you, I'm trying to think of when Andre Corbello has been good. Like he was really good in the Purdue game. Really good. I don't know that he's had another game like that all season long. And he's, he hasn't played like he played one more game after that against Maryland played like a, a partial game. And then he's, he was out for a couple games and then he played low minutes in the last couple games against Indiana. And uh, I want to say Wisconsin, and but he's he's just not been a factor. And, you, and we kind of talked about that. Like, is it a good thing if he comes back? I, I'll say this. If if the Curbelo that that played against Purdue in the first game is there, that is he's a game changer. 
like he makes that offense a, a, a totally different monster. He, he, you know, he rebounds, uh, you know, from from the guard position. So, like, there, there's a lot to like about him if that's the guy you're going to get. But if not, you're just kind of. It seems like maybe you're just burning up some minutes. So, I would say his status has something to do with it. It's just, it's a it's an interesting game. I, I'm just not going to bet. A, I, I'm not going to you know, say that somebody's just going to beat Illinois handily. I, I don't know that I think anybody, like, I think Illinois is too good to to be a six-point dog in this situation. So uh, I know you like dogs, and if you're not wanting to play it, that that kind of turns me off it a little bit. But also maybe, you know, we we see this a lot. The team When teams are, are pretty close, and I don't think there's a whole lot separating these two teams, when teams are pretty close and one team wins the first game, often the other team wins the second one, there's some adjustments made. And you're right. That first game, the whistles were – I hate to ever say like the whistles were unfair or they they were calling it one-sided, but they absolutely were. And it was – I mean, it was like touch foul, touch foul. It was it was really kind of frustrating. Uh, and that was – I didn't. I don't know that I even had money on that game now that I think about it. it but um, but per, Purdue were, were – they were certainly getting the benefit of the doubt in that game. Uh, of course, that was at Illinois, so maybe maybe it's even worse at Mackey. But uh, I, I think if I can get that many points with Illinois, it's it's certainly the only way I can look. I, I, I'm not I'm not going to fade them like that. As someone who bets a lot of road underdogs in any sport, um, I'm basically preparing myself for some bad calls against my side. Um, that one for sure, I was. Uh, trying to check to see if the game was actually being played in Champaign because uh, it felt like Purdue was getting a lot of the calls. Um, but that kind of showed me, though, that if Purdue is playing against a team and they're getting whistles inside, like it's just another way that makes it really hard to beat them. So uh, I'm never going to really talk to anybody about uh, betting against or excuse me about pa- like I'm never going to talk someone into passing on taking the, the points because um, there's plenty of room to lose and still cover. I just I think it's one of those things I've learned, um, usually not to go against Duke at home, which didn't work tonight against Virginia. But uh, I think Mackey Arena is like number two on my list of, of places to avoid. All right, let's take a look at uh, a matchup of two teams that their results are good, but for whatever reason, I just don't like either one of these teams. Wisconsin and Michigan State. Michigan State minus four at home. Uh Again, I, I, I guess there's just some – I don't trust either one of these teams particularly. It, it's not that I don't think they're good. I, I, I like – the one thing I'll say about Wisconsin, I like that Wisconsin, they value the basketball. You, there's no sloppiness. Like you're not going to have one of those – like Wisconsin's never going to have like a, a 20 turnover night. Uh, and Michigan State certainly can. Michigan State, I feel like they haven't had a real point guard since Magic Johnson. <laughs> uh, so it, that's a problem for them. But for Wisconsin, it's like where where's your offense come from? And um, it, it's it's one thing if you don't turn the ball over and there's no there's no sloppiness there. That's great. But at some point, the, the whole purpose of the game is is putting the orange ball inside the rim, and Wisconsin's just not very good at that. Uh, Michigan State pretty good at preventing that, particularly around the paint. Uh, lots of block shots for Michigan. I'm I'm not sure if you like either one of these teams or if there's one you you like a little bit more than the other. I, I I'm I'm sort of I haven't bet a lot on either one of these teams this year. Is there is there something jumping out to you of uh, someone who's got an advantage here? I wish uh, I did bet this uh, rematch uh, or the first time it it happened. Bet Wisconsin and they uh, 
were never really in a game that I was kind of following, I think at a bar in, in uh, Breckenridge, but um, you know, I, I think to your point, I really don't like Michigan state because they turn the ball over way too much. Um, Wisconsin, as you mentioned, number one turnover rate team in the country, I think. So, uh, and that's what they preach. It's what they do. It guarantees them, uh, as many shots as possible. But the problem is that they don't make perimeter shots, uh, at a high enough level. Um, so yeah, they get a lot of shots, but they need a lot to score any points. Um, they're also going to try to grind you to a, a, a halt and Michigan state is, and something that Izzo started to do probably five, 10 years ago is just trying to run on every possession to try to get as many, uh, attempts at the rim as possible. I think that adds the turnover rate, but I think that that is a, like a trade that I'm willing to make if I'm Tom Izzo. And I think he's, he's doing the right thing there. Um, I don't know. I don't like either of these teams. I feel like Wisconsin got some really good wins and we're priced at kind of a weird point to start conference play. And we're a pretty good value for a while as a short home favorite to teams that they shouldn't have been short favorites against. Um, but I feel like that we've now kind of found their level that they are not a very athletic team. Uh, they're based really on however Davis plays. If, if he's great, they can be really good and they can beat teams like Purdue on the road as huge underdogs at Mackey. Um, or they, if he's not great, cause he doesn't really shoot a lot of threes. They're pretty limited and relying on a pretty poor three point shooter over his career. And Brad Davison, who I think is in his 10th year at Wisconsin at this point. Um, so I don't know, just not really for me. Um, I, I think if anything, I'd lean to, to Michigan state as a home favorite, uh, and hope that that might come down a little bit. Um, but I am a little bit hesitant after losing the first matchup to then flip to the other team that beat me the first time. Shouldn't matter to me, but it's just one of those things where I kind of damned if you do, don't want to lose twice in the same game. Fair enough. Uh, for our last game, I was looking for a team uh, there because there's not like the fact that we're talking about two, like we just both said, there's two teams we don't like here in Wisconsin and Michigan state, uh, not fun games to watch even, I don't think. So I said, well, let's, let's look at a top team that we haven't discussed a whole lot this year. And the team I landed on was Houston, and we, we've not mentioned them a whole lot. And they are going to be playing SMU. And this, what I'll say about this Houston team is the fact that they are sitting here at 20 and 2, given the injury situations that they've had this year is probably a, a maybe there's no bigger credit to Kelvin Sampson because this team like with without without Trey, uh Traymon Mark without Marcus Sasser like they they just shouldn't be that good uh they they were without shade for sheed for a while like they they've just been they keep winning no matter who's out who's in like if my my coach of the year vote right now, I think has to be for Kelvin Sampson because and not only is he winning these games, he's blowing teams out, the, the teams that are supposed to be able to give them a run. And like they they go on the road to Cincinnati this weekend and just like, you know, it, the, the Americans probably a one bid league right now. It, it's not a good conference. Agreed. Um, I, I mean, unless Houston, some, I mean, Houston is an, an auto bid team, but if Houston wins the conference, I don't know that anybody else gets in. But Cincinnati is up there. They're, they're one of the teams in that conversation. And they, they beat them by 22 points uh, in Cincinnati. A couple weeks ago, they w- went to Central Florida, beat them by 14, 15 points. They're, it just doesn't matter who it is. They're going out and they're just smacking teams around. And 
you know, SMU is, I, I think I, there's some people who argue with me on this. I think, I, I think they're a well-coached team. I think that they've got some talent. You know, I think Kendrick Davis is a player. I, I, I like Marcus Weathers. They're a, a very old, experienced team. And those are the kind of teams who I, I tend to, to kind of lean to, uh, especially when you're talking about a team who's, who's playing without some of their key guys. But I don't know that you can get in the way of Houston right now. I, I don't know what numbers can get put up where you feel comfortable going, yeah, Houston can't beat them by that. And especially here, we're projecting at about seven. You're telling me Houston can't go on the road and get a seven-point win against SMU? I, I can't say that with any confidence. Uh, they are uh, they're elite defensively, and not just like American Conference elite. They're elite defensively, period. And they score at the basket. They they re- they. Fo- I mean, no one concentrates on the little dirty stuff, the rebounding, uh, the the defense, the not turning the ball over. They they do everything the right way, uh, besides make free throws. And they, they just they put you in a meat grinder, and I don't know that SMU, even a really experienced SMU team, uh, maybe even a a salty SMU team, coming off a loss to Wichita, an ass kicking by Wichita, which you're not supposed to get your ass kicked by Wichita either. That's another problem. Uh, but it, and also a team that hasn't lost a home game this season. I still can't find a way to pull pull the trigger on them getting seven points, so getting over two possessions. You can you can you back the dog here? Can you make a case for him? I'm actually uh, I think I'm going to go to this game. Um, I saw uh, Coach Jankovic coming out of an elevator this weekend, and I was about to be like, "Yo, can I get some tickets?" But um, it was on my list because I haven't been in an SMU game yet, and I was thinking this is th- my chance to see what really Houston can do. Um, I mean, based on looking to try to fade them off of injury issues that they have so many. I uh, feel like they haven't even missed a beat. Uh, getting plus seven seems like a, a decent number, but I don't know. It's hard for me to want to go against them, even like if they're covering fouling late with like a plus nine out there. So I don't really know what number would make me feel comfortable. I do think what, that what SMU does now, which is a completely different situation, they used to be uh, shoot as many times as you can because we're going to offensive rebound. Now they have some really good three-point shooters, and that's really what they do. They uh, take a ton of threes. They shoot pretty well. And that, to me, seems like the the recipe to, to have an upset and potentially beat Houston. Uh, the problem is if those shots don't go in, it could get really ugly and you're plus nine or whatever the number even comes to or closes at. It uh, doesn't really feel like it'll be enough. Um, I, I think I've watched SMU struggle uh, defensively, specifically at Cincinnati. I think I took them earlier this season. Um, and that worries me against a team like Houston. I, I think um, they've kind of been under the radar playing in a conference that looks like no one's really good. Um, so maybe they're a, a slight over maybe they're a little overrated at this point uh, based on how Houston has been playing, but like they've been thrashing teams. So it might be one of those that I should just go to the game and, and, and not have anything on it because the only way I would lean is the home underdog. And I feel like um, they might just be uh, on very different tiers or different levels because Kelvin Sampson's awesome. And, and who knew he had this much depth? Yeah. So I, I I'm just, I'm not looking to do it. I, if you do it, God bless you. Good luck. Um, but I, 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 it wouldn't shock me if SMU hung with them, but I'm certainly not, I'm done putting money on the counter and saying, yeah, Houston can't do it because they, they just keep doing it. All right, let's get into the good stuff. Let's get into best bets. 
and I'll kick it off here. And you laughed at me a little bit for this one for being so obscure. And it is, but I was kind of waiting for this, this moment, uh, to, I'm going to go with Cal Baptist and we're going to project at minus 12, uh, hosting Lamar. Lamar is an interest. They're two and 20 Lamar is. And in Ken Palm out of the 358 teams, they sit at 342. Now there are a couple. There's a Mississippi Valley State and the SWAC is one and nineteen. IUPUI and the Horizons one and nineteen. Lamar's rating gets bolstered a little bit because they play in the WAC, which is I mean, WAC's not a good conference, but it's not an awful conference either. Like like the SWAC is or, or the uh, the MEAC or something like that. This is a it's a respectable conference, but Lamar doesn't have a Division One win this year. So that two and twenty, those are both against non D one schools. They have not been able to field like a, they've had walk ons playing most of this season. They the injuries and COVID and everything else has just been nightmarish for them. And the fact that they are still three forty two in Ken Palm after what they've been doing is almost it's it's shocking to me. But I think it's being bolstered by the fact that they're in a a, a decent conference. Cal Baptist has lost five straight. And it's been sort of an ugly run for them. It's eight of the last 10 they've lost. Uh, they started out 10 and three. They're sitting at 12 and 11 now. And right around the time that downfall began, Taryn Armstrong went out. And Taryn Armstrong, if you haven't watched Cal Baptist play, is he, his brother is a sophomore on that team. He's a freshman. And Taryn Armstrong is going to play in the NBA. He is a six foot five point guard, fantastic handle, still has the highest assist rate in the country. Uh, he is a game changing guy for this team. And he was out for a, a good stretch. And even he tried to come back and play a game. Uh, he was ill, non COVID ill. I got the word that it was mono. And so he just didn't have, he was zapped of energy, couldn't play. So he misses, you know, eight, nine games. Team falls apart. He came back last Thursday against New Mexico State, who happens to be the, the best team in the conference. Uh, and lo and behold, they cover at New Mexico State. Then they play Grand Canyon, the second best team in the conference on the road. Lo and behold, they cover against Grand Canyon. So now they're back into covering games, playing competitive ball on the road against the two best teams in the conference. Now they get to come home, their best players back, and they get to face a team in Lamar who has just been awful, awful on the road. Their last last few uh, last four away games lost by an average of fifteen points, and now you you start to get your guys with his, getting his legs back under him after a long illness. This is the this is this is a get right spot if I've ever seen one for Cal Baptist. So a team that I liked at the beginning of the season who looked really good at the beginning of the season and kind of fell apart, I think this is their chance to kind of get back into the groove and, and make a push, you know, at least to respectability at the end of this season against a Lamar team that just doesn't have any bodies. Well, I can't imagine there are too many teams that go and lose five in a row in conference and are still over 500. Uh, and I know Cal Baptist has been good for a few years, that program, um, despite like what you'd think when you hear the name. Um I'm rooting for you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I got for you. Um, I'll I'll take it over now, and, and I'm going actually. You're going the game with one of my one of my favorites. Yeah, you know, um, 
I think uh, you put me on to the uh, the cowpokes of Laramie, Wyoming, uh, a few weeks ago, and they've been uh, maybe uh, keeping the the ship afloat um, for a little while. But I'm going to play Wyoming. Line's currently out. I uh, haven't tweeted it yet, so it's a live release on the uh, the Dream Preview. Um, and hopefully this is a dream setup for Wyoming, who have been really good, as you mentioned before we started the pod. Certainly are playing a lot of games in a lot of days, uh, which is a bit of a concern for me. Um, but I will admit that maybe the fact that they don't really try for fast break points is uh, a good thing here, because that'll um, keep the legs in a little bit better shape, um, considering I get really upset about it every time I watch them because they really they play slower than a snail, I feel like. Um, but they have what kind of seems like two unstoppable post players, one being a six foot nine point guard in Maldonado, and then Graham E.K., uh, a six foot ten, like normal big guy. Uh, and, you know, and then they surround them with some three point shooters. And, you know, it's it's wild to see Wyoming 19 and three on the season. But um, they haven't gotten a ton of respect. Honestly, have been pretty small favorites at home for this past three game stretch, uh, or I guess the first two are at home beating Colorado state and Boise, um, close games, but, uh, did enough to pull them out. And then, uh, just one last night at Fresno, which I mean, doesn't jump, doesn't, doesn't jump off the page, but still pretty impressive, uh, hard to do. And so it's going to be a, a quick turnaround for them. And, and I'm certainly a little bit worried about the legs, but, um, they're hosting Utah state who has been playing better themselves, um, but are dealing with some injury problems. I think they still don't have Brock Miller back, who's an important three-point shooter. Um, Rylan Jones seems to be like injured throughout his entire career, another guard with injury woes. And uh, what I've kind of seen from a Craig Smith coach team uh, when he left to take the Utah job is they were really tough, really physical, and they had an NBA draft pick inside to really defend the paint. They don't have that anymore. Um, they, Ryan Odom brought uh, Ethan Horvath, or excuse me, Brandon Horvath with him from uh, the Retrievers of UMBC, and he's a really talented shooting uh, center, like stretch the floor big man, um, but I don't think that I've seen any sort of defense from him at a level that could really compete, even in the Mountain West, which I got to say, I think the Mountain West is a lot better conference than a lot of people would expect, but I think they're going to have real trouble stopping Wyoming inside both Maldonado and EK. Uh, I don't really know who guards them or really tries, and I think that there's going to be a lot of foul trouble that Utah State is dealing with. It's possible that Utah State goes on the road and shoots really well, but uh, the environments in Laramie at that stadium, the I think the Dome of Doom, as they were calling it, I believe, um, scary, scary place. And uh, as only a two and a half point favor right now, uh, I'm I'm I just locked it in uh, during the show. Uh, would encourage everyone to grab that before it hits three, as I I think it's it's going higher. Yeah, Wyoming got 44 points out of Maldonado and Ek in the first game. Uh, Maldonado's, you know, a very efficient night, seven of 10, uh, EK eight of 14. And and you're right. They just didn't, I mean, both of them had eight rebounds there. They don't have the kind of size really to match up, I, I guess, outside of Horvath. Uh, and you know, they, these guys are just better, you know, Maldonado is Maldon, There's nobody to really match up Maldonado on, on that Utah state team. And, and EK, has turned into one of the better bigs in mid-major basketball. So, um, 
you know, I, I'm, I love like the analytic thinking uh, of Wyoming. I, lo- I love their coach. I, I, I love what Jeff Linder's bringing to that team and, and, you know, saying, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get layups and threes and that's it. And we're not going to let teams dictate what, what pace we play at. And we're going to just grind everything out. And which, you know, it, it does make it scary to play him as a favorite, but that's why I like that you're getting, you know, you're two and a half here. You're giving two and a half and not having to give more than a possession. Um, I guess the only concern would be they are coming off their they're coming off three huge wins. You know, Colorado State, Boise, and Fresno, three games in a row, and now you're playing your fourth game in eight days. I think maybe their fifth game in, in ten. So it is a, a, a they're not really well rested, but being at home, um, I, I'm I'm certainly not betting against that team that, that they've not. They've not lost a game at home yet, and I don't think Utah State's the team to do it here. Normally, I'll look like, you know, they they won at Utah State. I'd normally say, oh, well, maybe if teams are evenly matched, I'll, I'll usually look at the team that lost or the team that uh, that lost that game. But here, I, I just don't think Utah State is as good as Wyoming, even though a lot of the metrics would say that they're better. Ken Palm has Utah State two spots higher than Wyoming. I, I just don't believe that to be true. I, I think Wyoming and Boise are the two best teams uh, in that conference, I think Colorado State's right there, and then I think you get down to Utah State and Fresno. Um, but I, I think that Wyoming's just on a different level than them. So I, I fully endorse this one. And they don't give anything easy. They, there's there's no easy shots, especially in that building. So uh, let's go pokes and let's go for another two and O. Oh. All right, man, that is going to do it for another episode. We will talk to you guys on Thursday, previewing the big weekend and hopefully giving you the news of another 2-0 week for the old college basketball pod. And then, like I said, uh, we're going to skip out on Super Bowl Sunday, but we will give you an episode on Monday night, uh, previewing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday games and get back to a a normal schedule there. Uh, Griffin, appreciate it as always. McKenzie doing a great job keeping us on in the back. Uh, thanks to all of you guys for listening. Please subscribe, subscribe, check out all the podcasts. I'm telling you, the NBA podcast is fantastic. Give it a listen. The golf podcast is great, and they are they are dealing winners, my friends, big time. So uh, jump on those and uh, and tell your friends. All right, we will talk to you guys later on this week. Good luck. 